And uh, as the world becomes more fabricated and yeah. more corporate, seeking authentic experiences is going to be more and more challenging for the human race. What is up, everybody? And welcome back to the Schooling Struggle Podcast. It is our belief that the only guarantee in life is that we are all going to struggle, and how we choose to embrace our struggles is what empowers us to become the best versions of ourselves. My name is Pete, coming to you from Vermont, and with me is my friend and co-host Todd, coming to you from his back patio, hopefully with good enough internet to make this happen. Yeah. What's up, Todd? What you doing outside the office in the back patio? <laughs> I love how you call my house the office, and now I'm in the, the remote office of the remote office. That's fantastic. I'm not. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. The squiggles came through. Oh. <laughs> Patio struggles. <laughs> it's a raceway, you know, by my house. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How about yourself? All is well here. Coming up to the very end of summer, starting school in a day or two, a short meeting tomorrow, and then a full launch in a day and a half from now. So uh, yeah, I'm ready to go. I've had an awesome summer, a really nice mix of some adventure, some relaxation, some productivity, uh, some meeting with longtime friends and family that I haven't seen in a little bit. So it's been an awesome summer. Sweet. Super psyched to... To put a bow on it and get ready back to some structure and some, <laughs> some more disciplined living. Back to school. Do you, do, you, do you go back to school shopping for yourself? No. No? Okay. No. I buy a couple pairs of sneakers and then call it good. Good job. Yeah. Right on. Well, where are we going today? So I think I might be striving to link together some stuff that might not be <laughs> linkable, but oh, I, I want to take a stab at it anyway. Two days ago... My daughter ran a 5K, so she's oh, nice. just turned seven, and we decided as a family to run a 5K. I'm coming to learn about my daughter that she doesn't particularly look forward to or love team sports activities. So, like, we've tried soccer and just just kind of not into that that type of physical endeavor. But she loves to run around the yard. She loves her gymnastics. And um, my my wife has been dealing with a pretty severe knee injury for the last couple months. That's that knee has already been um, surgically repaired twice and we could be going in for number three here. <laughs> and the whole plan was for us to run a 5k as a family. And I absolutely love running 5k's with my daughter. It wasn't her first one because it totally take, I take the pressure off myself to win and to be competitive and just to kind of encourage her along to keep running and try to walk as little as possible. Huh. So I really look forward to kind of these running these races. They're not even races, you know, running these fun runs as a family. And unfortunately, my, my wife couldn't run because of her knee, but she just wanted to like run the first 100 yards with us and then the last 100 yards with us. So we take off and Jen uh, runs the first portion of the race with us and she um, you know drops off after 100 yards and kind of lets us go. And this race is coming out and back. So we run out and not very f much further into the race, my daughter stops on the side of the road. And she's fit enough to run further than than where she choose to, chose to stop. And I said, you know, LJ, let's, let's try to keep going. We're going to do as little walking as possible in this, in this three mile run. And she said, but daddy, I really want to pick these wildflowers for mommy. So when we see her again, I can give her the bouquet. And this is pretty early on in the race. And I said, so you're going to pick the flowers and then what are you going to do with them for the rest of the race? She said, well, I'm going to run with them. And my super competitive, like immediate thought was, well, what? 
Like we can pick flowers anytime. Why right. do you have to pick flowers during a race? And there's like, you know, a couple elderly people that are up ahead of us. And in my mind, I'm like, my daughter could definitely beat those people. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm just like being the worst version of myself. And luckily I didn't say anything and I just let her pick the flowers. And I said, do you want to hold them or do you want me to hold them while we run? And she said, oh, I want to hold them. So along the way we stop and we, add to the bouquet and we stop and we pet a horse. We get back to where my wife is waiting in the last hundred yards and my daughter gives her this bouquet that she's been carrying for 40 minutes and it totally like made my wife's day because my wife was like really upset the fact that her body's not allowing her to do some of the things that she really wants to be doing right now and celebrating this run with our daughter uh, on her birthday was a big deal. I found myself like when she was picking flowers, like mildly annoyed, like, come on, let's, let's, let, we can pick flowers anytime. Look, let's, let's, let's do this race thing. But I, I had enough wherewithal to like, look at the big picture. And so if I use that as kind of metaphor for my life or a microcosm, it's like, I spend so much time rushing or moving to the next thing. And it was very important to my daughter to take time out of what she was doing to look out for the betterment of someone that she loved and to kind of put somebody else before herself. I've been thinking a lot about my life. It was like a lesson that I learned from my daughter a couple of days ago was to slow down with my frantic need to compete and to rush and to accomplish things and to be a human doing instead of a human being. And my daughter totally just like set a good model and example for me and reminded me like, you got to do the right thing even if you don't feel it's the right time. So that's kind of what I want to base our conversation on today is some of the lessons that we may have learned from our kids along the way um, and how that's positively impacted us. And, and some of the, the stuff that she does and the, the model that she sets for me reminds me that my priorities are not always lined up and my actions aren't lined up with who I say I want to be and what I say I want to do in my life and how being a parent helps me be a better version of myself. And I just thought it'd be kind of a neat conversation. I have a couple other examples that I've noticed in the last week of things that my daughter's done where she said a good example for me. And I was wondering if you had any um, perspectives on that. <laughs> I always have a lot of perspectives on things. This is that's, I, that's I about this my one. amazing podcast. <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't know what episode it was. We can go back. It'll be in the show notes. But uh, when my daughter and I had a conversation at her uh, graduation, um, I think that it's really important, the lesson that you've taken from it. it it's so easy to not realize that's happening and for for you to be like ah oh, just shut up and let, allow the flowers to be picked and then now you can you can go back and and ha and like review it and reflect upon and I, and i imagine and you can clear this up if that's the case the other instances that you have in your mind have those been brought to the forefront because now you ha now you're hyper aware of like all the things that you could potentially be learning from your from your daughter is that the case yeah, I, I just I think that it just helps me try to keep that thirty thousand foot view on a lot of my thoughts and actions. Yeah. And I just I feel like a place that I am in my life is I'm always kinda like trying to accomplish things, try to try to get stuff done, try to move to the next thing. And like I, I know that being busy isn't the answer and I'm consciously not trying to be busy all the time, but I don't know. It's this weird dichotomy of I know what I need to do and I feel like I have an idea of what is a purposeful life for me, but I still in the moment don't love relaxing. Hmm. And I don't love, and I, I don't know. I find myself like looking 
to to move to the next thing or to accomplish the thing that I'm at, even if it's, you know, a run with my daughter. And she just, um, I don't know, she said a good model for me. I don't know if that answers your question even remotely. I, I just, it, I think as long as where I was going was as long as you have the awareness that you can see the benefit of what she has to offer. I, th I think that's the most important, most important part because I spent years of my life not really liking my children and like looking for any way to get away from looking for those. <laughs> like I wasn't even looking for them. Like I was just actively ignoring the fact that I'm sure I could learn something from them. And now yeah. it put it as succinctly as I can. I feel like I've always had the outlook of your children will teach you the things that you miss no matter what. And I've just put it out. I've just put it out on a longer timeline. And, and I think maybe that has been foolish because I could have been different sooner. Does that make any sense by, by not doing that? But I also think on the other side, I'm only where I'm at because of the things I've experienced. And, and if I, I don't know, it's, a, it's a complex situation for me, but yeah, I think it's a great, a great topic. So, yeah. Yeah. Somebody once told me that every single person you interact with plays a role in your life, whether it's someone you just pass by on the street or somebody that's a, you know, a lifelong relationship, yeah. friend, family, spouse. And if I can start to take that mindset of, this isn't just someone who's bagging my groceries. This is someone who I can learn from, you know, and try to take those lessons in. I think giving my daughter the opportunity to teach me those lessons mm -hmm. is something that I need to be better at. Wow. Yeah. It's a really good way of looking at it. Cause I always try to think about, you know, look for opportunity in all in everything you do, but especially the challenging situations and how you just said it was, I, I would love to give my daughter the opportunity to teach me. And that's like completely flipping that over, but it's in a weird way reflective on itself because like, you have the opportunity to learn from your daughter and you're giving her the opportunity to teach you. But as I was watching her pick flowers and watching these two elderly women that I really wanted her to be in this race like, move further, <laughs> further away from us, I thought to myself something that you shared with me very early on, wait, W-A-I-T, why yeah. am I talking? Yeah. And I don't think there's anything I could have said in that moment while she's picking flowers for her injured mom that could have helped her or made the situation any better. Just quietly be patient and let her do her thing. Yeah. And, and I'm glad I did. I, I remain quiet and uh, and let her do her thing. Um, yeah. So that was that just was hard one. for you. Huh? It was hard for me. Yeah, yeah. It was hard for me. Yeah. And it, it had nothing to do with like the placing in the race. I have no idea. We didn't even look at the place or the time. I don't really care about that. But I just, for me, it's like, I, I think a good example of that was when I rode my bike across the country and my buddy was like, all right, you know, let's, let's go see these things and do these things and meet these cool people. And I'm like, no. The goal is to ride from California <laughs> to Massachusetts. Right. There's, there's no other, there's nothing else about this. This is just a challenge. And I think I get caught up in that. Like yeah. I, I, I really embrace the challenge, but I don't see the beauty in the journey of the challenge uh, sometimes. And my, and my daughter was able to help me. That's at awesome. Least do that for a minute this yeah. week. Yeah. Yeah. There's a um, video that somebody shared with me at work a long time ago, a, a consultant, but he was, he's a really cool dude. His name's Simon Lamb. He, uh, he sent me this video old philosopher in the in the US from I, I say old but in the context of the world it's not that old uh, Alan Watts I think is his name and he uh, he had this video that somebody put to like cartoonish in dry erase markers and it's um, it's all about the dance is what it's like life is a journey but you have to enjoy the, the dance I'll put it in the show notes it's pretty cool I love to watch it every once in a while I'm glad it came up because it, it's just it's so easy to miss right like you just don't get it when you get wrapped up in everything so yeah cool um so my second piece that I wanted to link into this conversation, it was uh, a couple days ago, we as a family 
so before we came home and ran the race, uh, we as a family went camping for a couple of nights with some friends. And one night we're sitting around the campfire and I'm watching my daughter just stare at this campfire. It just, she's absolutely mesmerized. And it was before she had her s'more. So I know she wasn't in a sugar coma yet. <laughs> nice. Yet. She was waiting for the fire to get to the right. Yep. My wife is particular about when you do a s'more based on oh, the coals sure. in the fire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I don't eat s'mores. So I, I don't know about it. But um, I just, side, side note, we all have foods that we don't like that we feel like the majority of human beings like. And for me, s'mores is one of them. And I think it's because I just really don't like marshmallows. And um, I feel like I'm in a, in a vast minority of people that really don't like s'mores. I too hate s'mores. I cannot stand no. them. But it's not because of marshmallow. <laughs> we should put a poll up. Um, <laughs> okay. So, so I'm watching my daughter look at this fire and she's just so mesmerized by it. And it brought me back to something that I learned a while ago that if you watch a dancing fire or running water, such as uh, from a waterfall or a fountain, the reason why we are so enamored by it as humans is that those things bring to us what it is that we seek in our life, which is enough consistency to make it reliable and trustworthy and dependable and maybe even comfortable, but enough change to keep it interesting and engaging. And I really believe that is that's what humans seek and watching a dancing flame or watching running water is a good representation of that. And I think that's why I get so transfixed on watching fires or watching running water. It's a stretch. (laughs) It really is. (laughs) I don't know if that's linkable, but it's funny because as you were talking about the fire, it'd be interesting. You should ask her or maybe you watched it Uh, as the fire dwindles down to s'more stage. Is it like, Oh, there goes the last flame. I don't want to watch this anymore. Now it's time for some more. Like, is there a feeling of loss, you know, or like disinterest yeah. when the last yeah. flame flickers? Right. Cause I've definitely felt that before. Like, ah, it's almost done. But would you agree that from your perspective that what humans seek is enough consistency to make it reliable and trustworthy yet with enough change to keep it interesting and engaging? Yeah. I think, um, I never really looked at it in that way, especially with the, um, analogies of the flame and the river or the waterfall, but I definitely watch water. <laughs> like I could watch water go by all day long for no apparent reason. Yeah, I think that that's interesting. I don't think all I don't think all individuals seek that. I think I think there's a point in time where you where you realize that's a thing. I don't know if everybody always knows that. The chicken egg thing, right? The people that have vast upheaval and instability in their life is it because that's all they know and that's what they bring upon themselves, or is that because that's what they're yearning and seeking? Yeah, right. Or because something yeah. they're lacking. Yeah, that's even more interesting to think about. Huh. So so that was a reminder to me, like, all right, what what is the consistency and the reliability that I'm seeking in my life? And what is the change that's going to keep it interesting and to keep me forging forward with the things that are important to me and to be the best version of myself? And so I'm, as I'm watching her watch this campfire, because we don't camp very often and we don't make fires in the yard. We have a fire pit, but we never use it because we don't stay up that late. Like we, The sun goes down and we go to bed. <laughs> right. Um, but it was just interesting for me to watch her just be so compelled by that. And uh, I was able to take a step back and, and take that in, which was kind of cool. Yeah. And then the other one that um, I, I wanted to discuss tonight, now, I understand my, my daughter's an only child and we have, you know, uh, acreage for her to go outside and play on and her parents are, 
a little bit on the older side and we have things that we're passionate about that we spend our time doing uh, aside from entertaining her or playing with her or interacting with her. And my daughter has this unbelievable ability to go outside in the yard and to self-entertain for hours mm-hmm. and hours and hours. And um, it struck me, I, I, I was reading a book recently and the book was saying in the future, what humans are going to be seeking is authentic experiences. And they defined authentic experiences as experiences that can be absorbed through the human body without any corporate intervention. So going for a walk in the woods versus like going to Disney World. And uh, as the world becomes more fabricated and and yeah. more corporate, seeking authentic experiences is going to be more and more challenging for the human race. And that's why I think I heard that recently like ecotourism is the largest um, growing section of the travel industry. Because people are saying, well, yeah, I can go to Disney World where it's all fabricated and corporate, or I could go to Laos and hike through the jungle. Yeah. And maybe I'm going to do that. So, um, so I'm, I, I, I often will find myself, I'm watching through the window as she plays, and she truly is not reliant on any corporate help. And I'm not just talking about like she doesn't have screens, there's no technology out there to be entertained. But when I think about how I choose to spend my time, even if I'm not connected through electronics, or any type of um, wired in or Wi-Fi device, I still kind of rely on those corporate measures to keep me entertained. So I love my home gym, but my home gym is made of equipment Mm -hmm. that was created by a corporation. You know, we can say, well, you don't need to be on your phone. You can go out for a hike. Well, how many of us go out for a hike with our North Face boots and our backpack and our Mm -hmm, camelback and our sunglasses and our... Strava map, you know? Um, So it just got me thinking about how can I start to rely less on what humans bring to the world to be satisfied and to feel fulfilled at given times during, during my day. Do you feel like those things are, do you feel like those bits of technology take away from the experience overall? I do. I do. So let me put it a different way. So if you went out in the woods to camp, let's say, for your camping experience, and you didn't have a North Face coat or shoes, that would be a different experience, right? So is it just, is it just that you're relying – is it that you'd like to get away from the things that are above a certain bar of comfort or of utility? I think that I want to get to a point where I don't need – any human produced item to feel intentional about what I'm doing or to feel entertained. Oh. And I'm not talking about like strip off all my clothes, hike out naked into the woods and spend a week there. I'm just talking about like this hour of my life. How can I really be intentional and go outside and be with myself and to disconnect from the world without needing headphones for music or fancy hiking shoes to walk up the path or be less dependent on the nice to haves. Is it kind of what you're saying? Yeah. 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 And, and my, my daughter's ability to go out 
and and just entertain herself with her imagination and her you know sticks and the rocks. And I'm not saying I'm going to go out there and build a fort and play by myself in outside. But what I am saying is she's she's showing me that you can you can rely on yourself to be with yourself, and I that's something that I really really struggle with. How old is LJ? Uh, She just turned seven two days ago. Yeah. Here's an interesting question to think about. This is a really interesting question for you to think about because I want to know the answer <laughs> and it comes out of your mouth. Uh, given your background, <clears throat> you and Jen, both both your backgrounds in education and seeing kids of those ranges of age, right? I'm, I'm sure that you've seen, you've dealt with kids at school that are seven or above, right? That whole range, maybe even below. Do you think that that's something <clears throat> that is lost in the translation of how the educational system works. Like we teacher, I'm going to say this as a blanket statement, but I, I don't mean it in this way. I feel like the busyness of the world is magnified through those who teach the expectation of the world that we're going to have to live in, right? So the teachers are like, no, no, don't focus on playing outside with sticks and ropes because you're going to actually have to do this math to make a job that does this thing that helps perpetuate whatever it is you're trying to do. So I, I wonder if you think she'll lose that, you know, that innocence or that wherewithal of, of being that way because she goes into the machine that eventually strips that of, of her. I would contend that the machine is not the schools. It's the culture and the schools are, sure, are a okay. piece a piece of that culture. So I I don't think it's necessarily what's happening in schools that is the inhibitor. There's just, there's so many factors that, that can play into that. But, and and a lot of that is developmental. Like, you know, I'm sure someone that knows a lot more about me about child development would tell you, yeah, well, yeah, any seven-year-old could go entertain themselves for five hours outside or should be able to. And, and um, as you get older, you just lose it. Like I've, so I've, I've been a lifeguard for I'm not right now, but I was a lifeguard for over a decade. And it, it always astounded me that you basically essentially dig a hole, fill it with water <laughs> and kids are just like insanely entertained for yeah. hours and hours and hours. And and all these kids do is climb out of the pool and jump in and then yeah. climb out and jump in and climb. And when it's time to go, it's like, Johnny, time to go. No, no mommy, like another <laughs> three hours. Like we've been here for six hours. So I think a huge part of it is developmental and I know that she's going to move on from that at some point. So, and that's fleeting and I'm trying to like take that in and appreciate it while I can, mm-hmm. but I'm watching her and I'm saying, well, Pete, you need your headphones and you need these mm-hmm. things to, to, to feel like, I don't I think entertained is the only word that I can really come up with it or to feel fulfilled. And how can I watch her and learn from her and realize that like, mm, maybe I, maybe I can, turn the world off. And then it got me thinking about how we talk, we talk about how we live in such a disconnected world and how we're not, maybe our relationships as a human race aren't as strong as they were back in the day, or maybe we're not as reliant on the human interaction and as we once were to like to survive. So that's, you know, kind of playing a role in it. So it's like, we have this pressure to strive hard in our culture to try to stay connected. And then we also have this pressure to disconnect from the world at the same time and unplug. You know, and I, I think that that's kind of an interesting thing to think about. And um, for me personally, because I'm extroverted and I find I find comfort in interacting with people, uh, being around people is is no problem for me. Uh, I'm, I'm I feel very fulfilled when I'm interacting with people. But when I'm by myself, I can't. The rule in my house and in my classroom is if you say the word can't, you have to follow it with the word yet. Can't is a four letter word that you're not allowed to say by itself. 
So I will say I can't yet go off by myself to a quiet place, whether it's my room, whether it's my garage, whether it's nature, hmm. and 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 feel like and feel purposeful or fulfilled. Wow. I, I, yeah. That's so nutty to me because I, re- I remember you telling me like, you mean you without those things? So like wh- like when I first met you, I remember you telling me about um, how you, you uh, ru- was it Spartan races? Like you ran the Spartan races and like just crushed it, right? But that's out in the middle of nowhere. But I guess you're not really by yourself and there's a competitive edge, right? So it's like you're with other people and you're, and you're focused on something. So are you just saying like, if I go to the woods to camp by myself in solitary, that's not going to be fun for me. Solitary is I, I enjoy being by myself. Like I love working out by myself. I love, you know, doing certain other things by myself. It's not that I need to be around people all the time. It's that I need music or I need a podcast or I need my gym equipment or I need, and, and if I'm training or working towards something to me, that's different than yeah. just spending time by myself. So, so yeah. So when I was doing that Spartan training, those were five hour sessions that I was going out running through the woods and all those things. And, and I, I'm totally at peace there because I'm training and I'm preparing for something. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like when you do those um, times away from the world, when you break away, that's, that's something that I really struggle with. Mm. And I'm watching my daughter out the window, just being so happy yeah. and fulfilled without corporate anything. She's out there in bare feet, swinging from trees, climbing trees, you know, building fairy houses out of sticks and rocks and leaves. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I am too reliant on other people now. You should take and, your shoes off and get the hell out there. Go build some yeah. fairy houses with LJ. I do. <laughs> I, 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 I do. Yeah. I, I try to. I really do. Yeah. We do that stuff regularly, but I can't do it on my own. And like, <laughs> and I can't yet yeah. do it on my own. Whereas if I get out there and start doing stuff like, well, you know, I, 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 if I'm out here, I should, I should water these flowers. Yeah. yeah. I should I probably weed this bed and I yeah. should... Then I started thinking about like, all right, well, school's coming up, so I'm going to plan my, you know, you know how the human yeah. brain just yeah, starts yeah. running. Yeah. Um, but, but you yeah, just let she her, inspired yeah. me. She inspired me just like, That's awesome. oh, I don't. That's really cool. Finish. Yeah. And and who knows how long she'll be able to do it. Um, you know, we're, we're pretty staunch with, a, you know, screen time. So once that kind of plays into it, I think that's going to be tough as well. Um, yeah. So I don't know. But it was just, I was thinking about ways that my daughter has, has taught me some lessons over the last week. And those were the three was the race and stopping to get flowers for mom was the fire and was the uh, ability to self-entertain for for hours on end outside without the need of any corporate assistance yeah that's so funny you said that because the camping experience or the outside experience i i for some odd reason it just just it was the last couple of days when i was a kid we used to live across the street and there was a huge field and then beyond that field was like a I mean, now it doesn't seem that glorious, but then it was like the woods, right? <laughs> like we're going to play in the woods. And I know it was just like every season, you know, when winter came, it would fill up with water. It was like a swamp and there was like huge trees and we would build rafts and we'd spend, and like if I could sleep out there for all week, I would just be out in the woods across the street. And I remember like, I remember clearly when I used to play in the woods and how much I loved it by myself. And I had a couple friends in the neighborhood and we, we would go do that and that was our jam. But then as age crept in on me. I remember my friends came over one time and I was like, you know, I was going to go play in the woods. And they're like, what are you talking about? Why would you go play in the woods? And then I, I remember like a piece of my, like it just died. I was like, oh yeah, I guess that's not cool anymore, but it's so easy to lose. But now like when I was thinking about the other day, I was like, man, that was so much fun. <laughs> like, like it was like, I could go out there and just be like, oh, here's the stump that I've been at every time. And I know like I could, I know where I'm at. The You know, it's like, you know, all these things, but then you're just so willing to let it go because of social norms or you know somebody's comment is 
it's bizarre how that works. That's kind of what I was trying to hone in on. Like, why does that happen? And maybe even if you observe it, like, are there ways? I'm yeah. Saying, are there ways you can keep that going? Right? Like, oh, yeah. let's, like keep that up. I don't know. Yeah, I have a close friend who was um, training for marathons for many years as his kid was coming up through preschool and kindergarten, and his son would love when he just put him in the running, the running jog or the running stroller, mm-hmm. and he'd just go out for like eight, ten mile cruisers. And he did this through the through kids at kindergarten and first grade. And he's like, and as my kid got heavier, I got stronger because I had to push <laughs> yeah. him up these hills. You know, so yeah. I made him a better runner. And the kid went into first grade one day, and one of his kid, one of his kids in his class was like, "Oh, I saw you in in the baby stroller running with your dad." And that was the last time my, my buddy ever ran with his kid. His kid wouldn't get in the stroller after that. Crazy, you know? Yeah, it's it's those types of things. So um, it's bizarre, you know. Yeah, so uh, you know, I, I obviously every parent has a billion questions about how they can <laughs> preserve the youth of their kid and the yeah. innocence of their kid. And I, don't, I don't know what the answer to that is, but it is pretty inspiring to just watch her out there do her thing. I think that's awesome. Yeah. I think it's yeah. really cool that, that you think that deeply about things. <laughs> like it took me by surprise. I think now that you talk about the link, the linkedness of those three things, it's like, wow, is that really what Peter was thinking about last week is like how you can be better based on what you observe in your daughter. I think that that's really cool. I'm I'm thinking too, like I try to be reflective at the end of the summer. And um, I think I was just in a reflective state. We were camping and yeah. So three lessons that, that my daughter has taught me uh, in the last week. Yeah. Those are good ones. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. I'd like to counter. I'd like to volley with some, <laughs> some of the ones that I have, but I don't have any kids around here, but I have a new puppy. So, you know, that's teaching me some things about myself. I suppose. <laughs> So no, I got a text from Todd that said <laughs> it was a picture of a puppy and it said something about like the unexpected replacement or acquiring. I don't remember exactly what it said, but it, it all know. came down to the fact that you have a new puppy and that's the reason why you're outside recording tonight, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because you just when you think you got everything the way you want, like all of my, we had this remodel and, you know, everything inside, Jocelyn decided she wanted it to be white and gray. And so everything's white and gray. And then she got this other white dog that we've had for my birthday, which is a running joke. And then now she comes home with the black dog with long hair. And I'm like, really? really? Like, I get used to everything being clean. All the kids are out the way I want it. I'm like, I don't have to do anything. And now here comes trouble. Here, here comes struggle. I should have named the dog struggle. Here comes struggle <laughs> running right in the house, peeing on everything. I'm just like, yeah, a little yellow and brown to all that black and gray. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, why did we do this? So, uh, I don't think I've told this in a, in a past episode, it's, it's one of my favorite family stories and it's a really quick one, but I have a cousin who is awesome. He's just a really great dude. And my dad went to visit him, went to his house one day for something. And my dad walked into his house and, um, I'll say my cousin, uh, he lives an affluent life. He lives in an affluent town in Connecticut. Uh, and he has a, a, a rather large house and a nice house. So my dad walks in and in the living room, there's like one foot by one foot squares cut <laughs> out of his living room carpet all over the place and my dad says oh, john what's what's the deal with all the all the squares cutting your carpet and my cousin goes ah oh, my, my dog's just getting old and he's getting sick and he just you know he defecates and pukes all over the house he goes and every time he does every time he does instead of cleaning the carpet i just cut that square out of the carpet when the dog dies i'm gonna get a new carpet <laughs> i mean i guess that's one way to do it i thought that was amazing yeah yeah. I mean, it's a good, it's a good recount. You can, you can go up in the loft and take a picture of like the virtual Absolutely. minefield. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. All right. Well, as always, we so very much appreciate your ears, listeners. We thank you for your time. 
listeners, and we're incredibly grateful for your attention. Todd and I, we make it the Schooling Struggle Podcast, and we are struggling in many ways, and we're trying our best to school it. We are out. See ya.